0: Celebrate 50 years of the Timberland original yellow boot and the culture that made it an icon. The Timberland hip-hop royalty boot remixes the classic in a glorious purple waterproof leather with premium crafted details inspired by the four pillars of hip-hop. DJing, graffiti, MCing, and breakdancing. Get yours in select stores or at Timberland.com. Available in men's, women's, and youth sizes. Timberland, built for the bold.
1: Hey. hey, what's happening? It's your country cousin, Big Crit, third core representative, Mississippi native, and I just jumped off the porch with Dirty Glove Bastards. Hey. Like a skillet, a money in the on the phone with the lender in a the bank had a cap. All
0: right, so we got the one and only hey. Big Crit jumping off the porch with us today. Hey, man, third
1: core representative, Mississippi, well connected. What's happening? Man, nice. Use what's happening, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing, man. We here. Yeah, man. We it's a, it's yeah. an honor to have
0: you sitting on this
1: porch. Man, I'm honored today, to be man. here. Man, Y'all been representing and supporting me since way back. I'm talking my blog era. Yes, sir. Like 2010, MySpace. Man, I'm
0: doing one better. I think it was 2009. Lord I posted. Mm. I, I, I don't remember it was Just Touchdown or Hometown it Hero. It might have been Just
1: Touchdown or Hometown Hero or Country-ish, the original version from mm-hmm. back in the day. Most people don't remember that one. Yep.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's... Great to have yeah. you here, man. It's great to see you doing you, healthy boss. and everything. I am, too, I'm man.
1: feeling good. I'm feeling, feeling good. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. so
0: first off, how are you
1: feeling about 2022, man? It's, for, a, it's a blessing to be here. I mean, everybody went through a lot 2020, 2021. Um, and for me, it's just, just to be so like, grounded, like the happiness that I've, I've gotten being to able to be around people, the community that we lost um, in those two years and not being around people to actually kind of see folk I ain't seen in a minute, people up. Kind of be outside a little bit, but not really. <laughs> I mean, um, it's just, it reminds me of so much of that positive energy that I needed so much. Because it's one thing to be in the house when you don't feel like it, but it's yeah. another thing when you got to be in the house. Nah, for real. So it just it just feels good to be out here, man, rocking. We back out here putting out music. It's a blessing, man.
0: Yeah, man. So yeah, yeah let, let's start with this new music. Yes. We're going to start with So Cool okay. first off. So, okay, okay. Well, first off, what was your inspiration going into creating the song?
1: I mean, man, I, I was doing this, uh, and it's so funny because I was doing this thing like every Sunday, I was uh, creating small snippets of music and then putting it on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happened was, it's like every morning, I would just between five and seven o'clock in the morning, when the world's kind of quiet, I just get in my, my my studio at the crib and I just work on small snippets of songs. Mm-hmm. And so cool was like one of those first records that I did, and I was just like, man, I just want to make something that just vibe, feel good. I was able to come up with the chord progressions, and I just started singing, and then I was mm-hmm. like, that was it. And then fast forward like six months later, when I really started to focus on the album, I was like, this, this record makes so much sense in the sense of being in a relationship, but it not being about financial gain, it not being about materials, but just about being about the, the interaction with somebody you actually care about. And yeah. it doesn't matter. And being able to have the musicians I had work on the album, Mike Hardinett, Jay Brab, Jared Alexander, Ashanti the man, Violinist, I mean, then we was just able to blow it out the water after that yeah so yeah it's, it, it's crazy and then people roller skating to it <laughs> so cool challenge. It, it's like a completely different vibe yeah you know? man and, and i think it, it works for the time frame man people just i just want to be happy man like music has to reflect happiness now more than ever absolutely yeah.
0: man. Yeah. so this music video yeah you know I you stepped it. in the director's chair yes so what was your vision go was this the actual
1: vision did you collab with it um so the first thing, my, uh, my marketing guru, Steve-O, he's been a part of the team since 2010. Mm-hmm. He was like, yo, bro, you should, you should direct this one this time. Because when it came to album covers or even treatment ideas, I've always been one of those people where I had the concept. But you know, I'd be like, man, I think it should look like this. And then yeah. people you know, kind of make it broad and direct it. And this is the first time where he was like, bro, you should come up with it yourself. And working alongside him, David Kim, and Thang, I was able to actually get my idea and bring it to life. And I've always been a fan of Anchorman, bro. So I was like- man, <laughs> One of my I, like, favorite movies, Yeah, so I was like, I got it. And then it was crazy, because I thought it was going to look like shit, bro. I ain't going to front. I was like, this is my first time directing. I don't know what this is going to turn out <laughs> like. And once Wally Sparks put that fro on and got in the character, I was like, oh, this shit going to work. Oh, I was like, wow. Wally, and he, when he got behind the desk, I was like, oh, this is going to be crazy. And from that point on, it's just, it just such an amazing experience. And that made me really appreciate people that are behind the camera because oh, yeah. they go through so much trying to make sure that one <laughs> shot is there. And I want to apologize to all the directors out there when they was like, bro, can we get just one more scene? And I'm like, man, no, man, I'm no ready to go. <laughs> but that one scene could be the difference between the shot being amazing or not. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, Wally killed Wally that character. Killed that shit, man. Man. Fuck a
0: duck. <laughs> Wally,
1: he as soon as he walked in and he put that jacket on that fro, he he was he was Walter Cronkite. He couldn't tell him nothing. Couldn't tell him nothing, man. You got Trinidad James, Trinidad, Akeem Jame, Ali, Akeem in there. Ali, Carlos Miller, yep. yeah, in the video. And I don't know, man. It was it was a real like family reunion moment because again, I had not seen a lot of these people since pandemic. Yeah, and, and Akeem's been crushing it. Um, and obviously Trinidad brings a different level of not only fashion but he gets the vision every time, creativity-wise, mm-hmm. and Carlos is a mad man. man. Yeah. <laughs> so were
0: they all handpicked by you? Like, yeah. I need these guys for this, yes, man. Yes,
1: definitely, bro. Um, you know, it's because, I mean, obviously these are the homies and I'm um, people, what they're doing on social media and IG, but we, when I get around them, it's just that easy to, to chop it up and it's funny. Yeah. So when you, you know, when the camera in front of you, all we gotta do is be ourselves. <laughs> Real you stuff. Yeah. So I take it this won't be the last time you step in that director's chair? Did this kind of like motivate you? All right, I could do this. Now I want to do this, it's the real question. Yeah, I want to do it, but it, it was, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those processes where I want to dive a little deeper into the concept and the art form of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of those people that I, I really like to study what I'm doing. And so this was like, it was great, and it was the first shot, and it was my song. So if it didn't come out good, it's all yeah. good but i don't see my like if it comes to somebody else like song and i'm directing the video i need to make sure 100 percent i know what cameras and lenses and okay yeah and i some of that shit that was called i was like i don't know what you talking about but that <laughs> looks great so um but yeah i can see myself doing it but it's definitely a totally different process other than like rapping and and mixing and producing. Yeah. Yeah. It turned out really dope. Thank you, bro. Thank you. So, Digital Roses Don't Die. Yes. Um,
0: First off, just explain that title, what that means and why you chose that for the new
1: album. Um, So, yeah, man, it's the the concept in itself to me is that we've been passing down digital roses longer than what we realized, right? And this is before social media age. There's a, I have a picture of my grandmother and my grandfather and they pass it down to my aunts and uncles, my dad was able to get the photo, and he gave the photo to me. That is a digital rose. And it it keeps going and keeps getting passed down. And so as we document ourselves in those pictures that, even the person that took the picture, there's a story behind that and what might have been going on in the times, that is a digital rose and we can continuously keep giving it and we can continuously keep telling the story of it. And it kind of draws us all together with our past, present, and future in a sense. Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't supposed to be just a concept musically of what I do, but just all of us and all these digital roses that we've been passing down mm-hmm. since the beginning of time, pretty much. I got you, man. Yeah.
0: So what inspires you today to keep creating, man? You've, what, over 20 years in it now?
1: Or? Yeah, wow. Yeah, but I'm a young man, though. Yeah. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? I'm, I'm in my early 30s. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't get me twisted. Um, man, I, I love what I do. I love what I do, and it's it's so crazy because in around 2009, 2010, it was this hunger and this passion, and this aggression to prove myself so much, and I didn't realize that I was building up this um, this uh, resolve or this this um, this patience in a sense that once I got to this point, that it I didn't feel the need to have to prove myself all the time. It's like you know what, it's all good, and then I can go back and listen to my own music and be like. That young man did his job, you know what I'm saying? And now I'm at a point where I can just have fun and then, you know, not only take care of my family, but just kind of be more creative and yeah. be kind of go into the unknown of music, different genres, directing, you know, probably try movies and stuff like that because mm. that's where I'm at now. It's like, I really want to go back to learning and being a novice at something and then getting good at it. Uh, and music kind of gave me the opportunity and the platform to do that. Yeah. yeah. And you're one of those
0: artists where I think, like, even if you weren't releasing music, your passion runs so deep for it, yeah. you'll
1: always be making music. I can't stop. Yeah, I can't stop, bro. There's I, I, so many songs that I have that'll never come out, but I play them for my <laughs> personal self, right? And then other artists, I'm, I'm starting to just peep a lot of young talent in the multi as a label. We we launching at this year. And so it's one of those situations where even if I'm not in the forefront, I still can look at artists, be like, man, your music is jamming, just twist the kick, drum, and snare. Hmm. Or maybe the hook need to be turned up a little more. Like small things can make a difference in a song. I'm not here to change an artist's you know, way of creating. You know, if anything, I just want them to be authentic and transparent in music. Yeah, yeah. understood.
0: So what type of vibe should fans expect to hear on this album? Ooh.
1: Oh, man, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a love album. It's one of those okay. albums where um, you, you're definitely going to, if you're not in a, a point in your life, some songs may not resonate for you until you get to that point or that mm-hmm. place. and i deliberately did that because i think in life you go through things now that you probably wouldn't even expected to go through when you're 20s right and in your 20s you probably wouldn't even have the capacity to deal with the stuff you're dealing with in your 30s and so for me it's like trying to create music where that is the the platform and the idea from it so you always kind of like damn man i ain't went through that yet but i can't wait to or if i do go through that i know that crit went through it too you know what i'm saying um and there's it's no features on it, except for uh, this amazing vocalist named Roland. She's actually featured on it. And I, I, I did it in that way, because in life, the experiences that you go through are yours and yours alone, and nobody can actually feature in your life. <laughs> you just got to deal That's with it. That's true. And then if you have a significant other, other they are the they playing in their role, too. And so I wanted the, the songs to be unison in that aspect. Even if I'm hitting bad notes, I'm singing it because that's how we have to approach life. Like sometimes, I mean that's art too. Anyway. Yeah, man. You we hit bad notes every day, but we we know I'm still I'm still doing my thing though. I'm still in, in key, and yeah. so the album is. Uh, I'm I'm excited for people to hear, it, bro. But you you definitely got to hear it because it's, I, I, yeah, it's 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 beautiful to me. So I yeah. can't wait, bro. Yeah, man.
0: Kind of just talk about your growth as an artist from, you know, 2005, See Me On Top,
1: up until this new (laughs) album. Oh, yeah, bar for bar. Yeah, no, See Me On Top, you know, I obviously was, again, about proving myself lyrically. I mean, coming from Mississippi, everywhere I go, the first thing people ask me, where you from? And Mm -hmm. if I say I'm from Mississippi, it might change the narrative if they want to hear my music or not. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was about, well, once they put this CD in, it didn't matter where I was from and then going from Mississippi to moving to Alabama to Atlanta to being in New York to spending time in Texas and just all these places, um, I gained so much not only creative knowledge, but I realized that people did respect my music. It was just the fact that I had to be in front of them, you know, most of the time. So between the touring and finally getting independent and being okay with that, I just found my own lane, bro. Like, I'm a hybrid, and I'm comfortable with that. And so... All I'm doing is like trying to figure out how do I keep creating this palette of music, telling this story, and 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 competing with myself in a sense instead of what the industry got going on, because I can't even possibly try to compete with that because yeah. it's ever changing. Me on the other hand is like I know what my younger self would have said, hmm. and now that I'm at this age, I shouldn't feel quite like that. So what what does 30 mid 30s Chris sound like? What does 40 year old Chris sound like? That that's where. I'm at and see where I can take people that's been supporting me all these years yeah and the new people mm-hmm. yeah. it's all about that elevation and growth oh, man. man just as it. in life is man I love it man yeah. I don't drink brown liquor like that no more so that's <laughs> elevation you know what <laughs> I'm saying like I done dialed it back a little bit. I eat healthy I'm a <laughs> okay you know yeah life yeah.
0: <laughs> so hitting the road again, man. Yes. Um, how excited are you? It's been,
1: what, two years, over two years, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, What I think November of 2019 was oh, wow. the, the end of the last tour. Hmm. I'm, 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 I'm happy. I'm scared, man. I can't front. I'm nervous. It's, it's like it's, it's, it's been a lot of time of not jumping around and running back and forth on stage for 35 or 40 days out the year. So I'm like, man, I gotta get my endurance together. I'm doing a a lot of fucking jumping rope. I'm getting my cardio together. Cause together. as you know, like we ain't it ain't the twenties no more. Yeah. Like I'm finna fucking be drinking mad Hennessy and hit the stage. <laughs> Hell no, I'm drinking green juice. <laughs> like I'm getting a good night wrist, vitamins and shit. Um, and we doing an hour set, hour and fifteen every yeah. night. So it's it's, it's exciting, though, because a lot of faces I haven't seen in years, man. And I want to check in on a lot of people that see how they're doing. You know, we all lost people in the last two years. And so it's a lot of healing involved, too, with that. Um, and I'm just excited for the process. Yeah. yeah. And you have
0: such a loyal fan base, man. Yeah. Can you just kind of talk about what your fans mean to you? Man,
1: it's more tied till the motherfucking son die. <laughs> and we've been rocking. It's people, and I tell people all the time, it's a family reunion. Um, it's people that has been coming to the show since 2010. And again, they, it's, it's couples. They met each other at my shows. They end up getting married, having kids. Mm. Show me the pictures of the baby. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? Like, and when we get around each other, we realize how far we've all come, in a mm-hmm. sense, right? And again, that's another reason why it's important for me to grow with my music. Because a lot of people, some of the songs that I've actually started to create, they got married to, right? So we be there and they be like and I see them and they be like man bro run that record right there bro Serve this royalty and I be like let's do it you know cuz I know that was a moment in all of our lives that things might have changed a transition and uh whether happy or sad we share that mm-hmm. and and um, I think I I need that just as much as they might need to see me perform man that 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 community and that energy um it just it I don't know it really Leaving off stage or being backstage, or even when I see people before the show, it really fills me with so much joy, and it reminds me of what this is literally all about in the first place. Yeah. I wouldn't be in this position if people didn't rock with me, yeah. so, you know. And they've been rocking with you 10-plus straight years. Yes, bro. bro, some 15 years. First see me on top. Yeah.
0: Lord, geez, <laughs> 2005. Um, yeah. What's your thoughts on the evolution of country rap tunes, man?
1: Oh, the evolution. I mean, it's forever evolving. The I mean, yep. country rap tune is in a, a beautiful place because the amount of the skill that goes into being a southern rap artist and what you have to do to prove yourself mm-hmm. and even going back and listening to what UGK was doing and what Pimp was saying oh yeah Pimp was making a lot of those beats Pimp was singing on the hooks you know what I'm saying like you get to a point where you have to be the captain of the entire ship in a sense right mm-hmm. and so learning from what UGK did 36 Mafia did right uh, where Outkast was able to do along with Organized Noise, watching David Banner have to produce beats and rap, that kind of showed me that if I'm gonna succeed, especially coming out of the South, I gotta play more than one position yeah, um, musically. And it's definitely paid off for me. Absolutely. yeah. yeah
0: just kind of talk about Pimp C's influence on ah,
1: me, man. man. It's man, it's through the roof. <laughs> Everybody knows <laughs> Pimp, man. I mean, when it comes to, and I, 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 I missed out on being able to see UGK perform in my teenage years, because they actually had a show in a Meridian, Mississippi, but I was too young to go. But I do feel blessed and honored to actually know Bun B and mm-hmm. actually call him a friend and pretty much like my uncle, um, and be able to not only talk to him about what they went through before I did on a on a musical level and business level, but just get that knowledge that's very much needed when you just feel like you 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 so pressed to prove yourself and you front of stuff and you don't know if people really listening. And the OG just come through with some. Some, you know, few words, it don't take much for him to tell you, and he would be like, you know what, OG, you're right, you know? And then it makes everything kind of make more sense in the grand scheme of things. And I think a lot of those conversations with him like that, a lot of the conversations with Banner, even conversations with Ludacris, people like that, it was like, oh, okay, this is, this is the space I need to be in. If I carry on, I carve out a space for myself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And Bun embraced
0: you right away. Oh, too, that's man. the OG man. That was like, crazy. Yeah. Too, to
1: for him to jump on country shit. Yeah. <laughs> and Texas as a whole, man. Slim Thug, Paul Wall, Lil Kiki. You know what I'm saying? Like these people definitely showed me a lot of love. Michael Watts, OG Ron C. Mm-hmm. Like the list really goes on. All of Texas. You feel me? Yep. Yeah. I think uh, Crip
0: was here was like your introduction to you know a lot of people on a worldwide scale. But I want to yeah. go back. And just kind of focus on the grind ooh. it took for you to even get there yes so like what were those early days like like you said being in mississippi man mm. this kind of internet was kind of there but mm. ooh, it maybe dat <laughs> piff was
1: there but like live next ah, spot man i don't even think bro it, really unrightly it was all hip and four songs were only placed on a board for every two weeks <laughs> i think i don't even think people i didn't really start going to that piff until i moved to atlanta I really think, right okay um and just a lot of the mixtape you know websites but for me it was grind and drop physical copies it was like mm-hmm. oh hand to hand like hey and then um I remember running into... Uh, I want to say it was DJ Brad, you know what I'm saying? Actually from uh, Legion of Doom. Okay. Was one of the first people that heard my, my uh, one of my songs. I can't even think of the name of the song. They gonna Hate, though. Okay. DJ Brad, DJ Folk heard. They Gon' Hate, though. And then I think uh, DJ Folk actually put They Gon' Hate on one of his mixtapes uh, that had Trick Daddy and Jeezy on the cover. <laughs> Bro, it, <was> so <laughs> it was so long ago. And then DJ Wally Sparks heard I just touched down. And that's how I started coming back and forth to Atlanta. Cause I was like, damn, they playing my shit on mixtapes. or they playing my shit in the club. And then we were performing at every open mic I could think of.
0: So it's like you saw that door cracking open.
1: Yeah. And you was like, all right, this is where I gotta go then, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, cause any little momentum in Atlanta back in the day meant the world to you. Hmm. Like being able to perform in front of Bo Hagen. I think Bo Hagen was there. Uh, I can't think of the other artist that was there, but I was at like Peacock doing an open mic, bro. And Bo Hagen being there, just like, oh, shit, bro. <laughs> and even though he didn't know who the fuck I was, and they was, my name at the time was Critical. And that was rough. That was rough. <laughs> he was pronouncing that shit. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. (laughs) So they was botching that shit, man. And uh, I think right around that time is when I changed my rap name to Big Crit. Hmm. Because I was like, yeah, yeah, they critical ain't gonna get it. (laughs) Um, but just performing in front of DJs and, and influential people that I saw on TV, man, just kept me going yeah. at the time. Yeah. W- were
0: you working a regular job or was music just everything at that time? Well,
1: point? I, shit, I quit, my, I quit Blockbuster in 2005. Blockbuster? Oh, yeah, shit. I was working at Blockbuster, I quit Blockbuster, and I haven't had a job since. It's been music, so for me it was selling beats, I was doing a lot of mix engineering at the time for mm-hmm. local artists, um, and that was how I survived, man—selling beats and mixing other people's <laughs> records. I mixed an R&B album. That shit had to be terrible. I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but they—my mixes was better than most. You know what I'm saying? You were just
0: mixing at the house, or did you yeah, have a real studio? Yeah,
1: at the house, they was all the files I was recording Shoot. that shit, and yo, know, oh, it was ah, oh, it was it, it was the grind and it was a hustle, but it ain't nothing like recording. 21 songs in two days True. on some mixtape shit on a beat up Mac bro and a trash microphone and trying to make it jamming hmm. and listening to it over and over again <laughs> drive you crazy you know man. everybody like all the all they homies in there and then you just playing this shit over oh, and over again yeah
0: <laughs> so when you made uh, just touch down did you like feel a way like all right this could be the record I, that's gonna break me out or <sighs>
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, so Just down, I think I made around 2005, the the original, very first one, and um, I I was still going to college at the time, so I had school that morning, I remember playing the beat and the hook, and my grandmother was in the kitchen, and she started dancing to it, and I was like, I think I got something, because she, you know, despite I was cussing, she actually thoroughly enjoyed (laughs) this record, Um, and yeah, man, everybody that heard it, DJ Wiley Sparks loved it, and I found myself, at TJ DJs in like 2008, performing oh, it, wow. you know, and again that was huge for me. Even though I it, nothing might have came with it, but just going to Orlando and being in front of all these other artists and shit, I was like, wow, like I'm here. Yeah. And then damn near, damn near couldn't make it back to Meridian, Mississippi, <laughs> but we did, you know.
0: So putting together a crit was here, um, you know. You had the buzz going at the time. Did you feel any type of pressure, or did you know? And I'm going to deliver on this shit, though.
1: Man, I'm glad you think I had the buzz going at that time. Crip was here on the low. That was my last hurrah. Hmm. Like, I had no money. Shit was fucked up. And uh, Johnny Shipes that hit me was like, yo, I just want to try to do a project with you. Give me six months. So that's why the the album is so long as far as the amount of records on it. There's so many different genres I was kind of trying to go into, different coasts because I was like, bro, if this don't work, I'm going back to Meridian. And I had the opportunity to work on the railroad, and that was going to be that. Oh shit. And so it was like, shit, we dropped uh with March, and that shit went crazy. It did Shot money, you know what I'm saying? Was like, yo, was good. And the King part 1 freestyle went crazy working mm-hmm. with Creative Control, Steve OGFC, uh running into Dutch, which is my manager now and touring with Wiz and I was like yo we-, <laughs> we we made it goddamn and yeah. um, and that was literally the beginning to me okay that was the beginning
0: yeah
1: yeah underground wasn't nothing like that
0: hmm. so was it a goal for you to sign with a label or was that just something that came along was like, all right this sounds like a good opportunity right here
1: uh I think it was a goal back then I mean I think everyone wants their record played on the radio everybody wants to sign to a label it just kind of comes with a dream of being an artist Um, but they don't tell you that when you sign into the label is literally when the real hard work starts. Mm. Because then it's almost like there's no more excuses. There's no more, there's no reason why your music shouldn't be playing or why you shouldn't have a record on radio or what's going on with the tour dates or why ain't nobody purchasing your album or something Mm. like that, right? So what happens is that once you get in that room and they be like, you know, this is when the album want to come, you want the album to roll out here, you know this is what your single, just when your single should come out, like this is how much time you got, this the budget. You're like, oh shit, this ain't me in my room no more. Hmm. You know, like, oh, this would be a great feature for you to put on the album. And you're like, well, I really don't, you know, make that kind of music. Like, that's so why I booked the system. <laughs> <laughs> I produced my entire motherfucking album. Uh, shout out to Shy Money for even allowing me to do that. Uh, I got the features that I wanted to get on the album. And a lot of people didn't understand what I was doing at the time, but it really built the foundation for multi. And that's really what it was about, me being myself authentically, yeah. so I can continue to do that throughout my entire career.
0: Yeah, how much of a learning experience about the industry was that whole situation man, for you? Man,
1: shit, I ain't never danced on no tables. <laughs> I ain't never danced on no tables when rapping shit, so. I could a lot of people did, but. For me, it was just like, I'm going to be myself, and I'm country, and I realized a lot of people didn't necessarily know what, about Mississippi mm-hmm. or had never been there, and so I knew it was going to be an uphill battle. And so when I go in that building, and sometimes they weren't familiar with what I had going on, I knew that we were still actually physically driving and going to see DJs, mm-hmm. actually doing shows and chopping it up and building this fan base underneath it all, regardless of whether we had radio or not. So once the label wasn't a thing for us, we still had multi, oh, yeah. and I still had my brand, and I still was touring. And I remember when Live from Underground came out, and we did those numbers. They were confused. They was like, "Whoa, how? What?" And it was like, "Yeah." They mean, weren't expecting that. Hell no, <laughs> fuck no, man. I mean, I'm gonna tell you something. It ain't that. When you, we, I remember leaving the building, and one of the one of the like, he had people that came outside and just dapped me. I was like, "Man, y'all did that shit, man." Like that was crazy. And I was like, "Yeah, it was like." And then we just kind of kept moving like that, like whether they understood or not. It's like, man, this country shit works, you know? Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Uh, talk about the chemistry working with uh, Motion Family, man,
1: because you guys put yeah. out some amazing videos. Shit, Motion Family is, they the only people that have me after two or three days talking about doing a video. <laughs> country Shit was like a three-day shoot and it was like the first introduction and they were so passionate about it too. Um, and then from then on, man, just working with them, has been like this, this family thing where we know each other's, you know, temperament. They know how far I'm willing to, like, go on and shot, like, man, Craig, we want you to kind of hang off the building. No, but I'll have, you know what I'm saying? But in order to get the best shot, you know, normally it's going to work out, and when they send me back whatever they've they done, it's always going to be quality and crazy. Um, and so, again, continuously running into these people that i work with throughout the years makes it all the better to actually work, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And,
0: um, what was your inspiration going into the vent? Wow, you took it all the way back.
1: Oh, the event was um, just a, a letter of me conversating with, with conversing with my grandmother. Um, she passed in 2010. I think I wrote that record uh, 2011. And it was like around Christmas, well, around Christmas time going into the New Year's. I'm just super sad. And in my, I wrote that song. And my dad was just like, man, Jay, I really don't want to, you know, put this on your mind. But this is, around, you know, this is kind of anniversary of your grandmother passing. And I, I believe that just subconsciously I needed to get that out. I needed to talk about it. And it really wasn't even supposed to go on the project per se, but I was just so adamant of it being on the album because I knew that somebody could relate to it. Oh, and yeah. then it ended up being this amazing moment, man. I mean, yeah.
0: somebody, well, let's let be real. It's, you touch so many people with that song. Like, yeah. I even went through the YouTube comments recently yeah. and there's still people commenting. Uh, what does that mean to you when you read those type of comments, like how, how personal these records are and how they're able to affect you know so many of your fans like
1: that man that being that transparent wasn't in vain you know you i remember a lot of nrs back in the day especially in the early 2000s where they would tell me that nobody really wanted to hear that that people wanted to be in the clubs they just wanted to have fun and wanted to party um and coming off of doing children of the world and then being able to do the Vent is a kind of a testament to that's not the case you know when we it's only so many days out the week we going to party. And normally that only lasts for an hour or two hours, but the time you spend with yourself and the thoughts you have on your way to work or leaving work or in the morning when you're trying to gather yourself or the, the key moments where you're you asking those questions, like, am I doing the right thing? Or man, am I, am I, am, how, why am I in this position? Or, I hope that somebody can understand I'm not feeling well. And being able to put all this stuff out of my music made, made it easier for me to have these kind of conversations on interviews When people interact with me in person that i can be myself and i have to be this facade of this superhero that isn't true to who i am when i'm looking at myself in the morning
0: no that's true because i look at a lot of artists today and they feel like there's a certain image they have to be Mm. to make it in the industry when there's a whole lane of rappers that like yourself that man they can make it just by being themselves and it seems like if we talked about your fan base yeah
1: they gonna be loyal to you yeah I mean well if, if COVID showed us anything man like nothing is promised and the time all that time everyone spent isolated <laughs> it should have put you <laughs> in a position where you really got to know yourself yeah you know and all of the materialistic things and all that stuff didn't matter man like all those fly-ass clothes where you gonna wear them you know <laughs> what I'm saying you couldn't go nowhere so coming out of that it just further cemented that thought process for me, like, man, just continues to be my, like, continue to be myself. Sure. And even this album is just me, like, unapologetically being myself in mm. every album from that point on. And it's, it's, it, it's, it's been fun. It's been, uh, it's been nerve-wracking sometimes, only because it's when you completely let go of the idea of trying to be this superhero, and you just like, man, big critics, Justin Scott, it's all the same thing. Hi everyone, Jazzy Bell here from Women in Hip Hop Podcast. And if you're a fan of music, then be sure to check out and subscribe to Women in Hip Hop Podcast, a show that focuses on the many talents and influences from women within the culture. And it's brought to you exclusively by Revolt Podcast Network. Anchored in hip hop, powered by creators. Um, it, It lends a lot more of you having to give a certain amount of energy to a conversation, a certain amount of energy to a process but when you get to look back on it you're like damn it it took all that for me to be so authentic in itself and it took all that for the art form to be that beautiful and it was worth it yeah absolutely yeah
0: whatever happened to country cousins with yellow Wolf?
1: oh man country cousins is me and all my country cousins and me as a country cousin for all the people that ain't necessarily country (laughs) you know what i'm saying so it's 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 an overall aspect in a sense but it just was a it was an idea it was a concept bro but it just didn't pan out, you know? And, and, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Some things shouldn't work, in a sense, um, in order for us to kind of, like, kind of, I guess, go off and then create in, in different perspectives. And uh, at the time, it made sense, but I think now it's like, man, creatively, everybody is yeah. just spearing off and working with all kinds of artists, so, yeah. Because yeah. I remember everyone commenting, like, one country cousin. It was yeah, like two man, years yeah. they were it's asking that, for this that thing. Thing. It's that and, and even me and the Currency Project. Okay, Chevy, yeah. it's like we, and, but it's like, if it happens, it happens. But if it don't, we still making jam and air music. So it's all good, you know? Yeah, Definitely, man. Uh, Mount Olympus, man. Um, huh. Do you feel
0: like you had a point to prove with this record, man?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, Mount Olympus was me, once again, reiterating that I am the greatest of all time. You know what I'm saying? And so it was one of those situations where I felt and I was angry because there was so many people that had no idea about my music and they heard control, and now my comments is going crazy. And I'm like, man, wow, like, it's just all this hate. And like, man, you, I didn't even know the fuck I was, you know what I'm saying, two days ago. And so it was me also testing the industry because I went crazy on that record, but the amount of support that it got wasn't in the same aspect. So I realized that once again, it makes no sense, me getting angry, me getting riled up, when I can't compete with Geography Lottery. You know what i'm saying it's like no one is in control of where they're born but what i do know is being from mississippi definitely doesn't lend a hand to me getting played all over especially um in metropolitan places or vacation destinations. i have to work really hard to prove myself in those areas unlike being born in a place where the biggest dj lives next door to you you know what i'm saying so I realized, man, it, why, why compete like that? It, it means nothing. So I just focused and, and kind of put my head down and started, once again, worrying about more tied to the sundown. Did you expect that type of reaction from everyone when they heard the song? I didn't, man, I, shit, I played that for my dad and I saw his reaction and that, I was like, <laughs> well, shit. If he was like, yo, what the fuck? Then, you know, and then by the time it got to the second verse, everybody is fucking fake, like, oh, you know. But the key for me was actually proving that I could rap that verse on stage. Cause it's all the pump fake you can do. Obviously you can fucking edit yourself to do the verse. And so it was like, nah, bro, that's, I can do that in one take and that's, that's that. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was, it was a great time. It's good for hip hop. That's what they say It's good for hip hop. But for me, it was, it wasn't as good for my mental. Hmm. And so after going through that process of the anxiety, the frustration, the anger, um, of that, I realized that I can't allow what's good for hip hop to be bad for my thought process. Understood. You know? So.
0: What's your thoughts on the current state of Mississippi rap right now? I think Mississippi rap is in a
1: great space. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, we got a King we got Deer Silas, Big Sun still doing his thing, uh, the homie Modi. We got Low Stars, a producer who crushing it. Twisted Genius mm-hmm. is crushing it. You know what I'm saying? As a producer, so I mean, obviously, Ray Sherman still doing their thing. David Banner still killing it. I mean, and it's a, probably a lot of the other young artists that I'm not familiar with, but they doing their thing, and I think. It's been—it's gonna be a real resurgence, in a sense, because we have our sound, and it's embedded in a lot of different jazz influence, blues influence. Mm-hmm. Oh, shout out to Kingfish blues, um, and it's just about continuing to curate that energy and then taking it back home. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It definitely seems like Mississippi has been on the rise for a long time, but it seemed like this last year. Oh uh, yeah. You know, Gucci just signed an artist from Mississippi. Oh, word. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. Big see. walk dogs. So it's yeah. like.
1: And in the work ethic, man, people, from where I'm from, we work, and we're going to get it right. And then we understand the chilling circuit, and we understand the grind of being on that road because yeah. of how long it took. And I'm going to tell you that four hours and 30 minutes from Mississippi, well, from where I'm from to Atlanta, is a ride every time you're trying to prove mm-hmm. yourself. And it's a lot of thought that go in between that drive, but if you want it, you're going to make that drive. Yep. Absolutely, man. Yeah.
0: Uh, a couple years ago you were very open about your battle with uh alcohol yes, alcoholism sir. man yes, sir. uh was there like a, a, a turning point to where like you know maybe not rock bottom but it was at some point mm-hmm. where you was like all right this has got to change
1: uh i want to say rock bottom for me was around i might have been like 2015 2016. Hmm. and it wasn't really so much of a rock bottom in a sense that i self-destructed in front of people it was more that I had been hitting so hard and I was dehydrated that I had a moment where I disassociated mm. in my hotel room and I didn't recognize myself in the mirror. And with that came a lot of irrational thoughts. And if you don't know what's going on, you, you don't realize that, man, I need to drink a ton of water, I need to get some Pedialyte, I need to sleep, and I need to eat, right? I didn't realize that. My, my next step was to keep drinking. It's like, ah, yeah. oh, fuck it, let me give you some wine with more bones. And I just spiraled my way down this rabbit hole of regrets, thoughts, anxiety, and stuff like that. And from that point was the start of me actually getting therapy, right? Because I didn't realize how much I had put my head down and I focused on music. And I totally neglected my health, my mental health, and how much I had used alcohol in order to do my job. And so once I started to get to the bottom of a lot of these triggers, a lot of what brung the anxiety on, it, started, it made me start looking at alcohol different. And that every time I did an interview doesn't mean I have to get a drink. Every time I get on stage doesn't mean I have to drink. And that I had to really own up to the anxiety. And once I got past it, it would make alcohol not seem as necessary. Yeah. And that was years. And even now it's still an ongoing battle, but I'm aware of it mm. now. And people around me are aware of it. and. I'm able to have those conversations. Like, man, I want to drink, man, but fuck it, you know, I, I don't need one. And just having that conversation with myself means that maybe that day I won't drink, and maybe I truly experience the show. And then, whether good or bad, I'll remember the show and I yeah. can work on it later. You know.
0: No, nah, that's dope yeah. right there.
1: And I Like how you mentioned
0: even going to therapy because there's such a big stigma,
1: you know, Dang. about people
0: that go to therapy and all that. Man, Why go do you talk? think that is?
1: I, I mean, because we, you know, you you gotta understand. Even my parents and I'm pretty sure my grandparents and a lot of my aunts and uncles, for those that didn't go, they were going through things. They just didn't talk about it, right? And then every weekend, most people know that the weekends for drinking and partying or smoking and just relaxing, and then or happy hour is for getting your mind right and then going back to work, or, man, I can't wait for work, Bill. I'm gonna get me a cold brew. These are coping mechanisms because you don't really want to talk about what you're dealing with or you don't really know how to talk about it. And I think, especially us as men, we get to a point where it's like, you know what? I, don't, I ain't got to worry about that. Man, you know, talking about my feelings is weak. Or you'll be ready to talk, and somebody's like, man, what you, what you got to worry about? You got this, you got that. And then you'd be like, you are right, why I, I, I am I worried? But you need to exercise that conversation you need to talk about it. So for me, I realized how many years I wasn't talking about my feelings and I was putting it in my music, but it could be perceived as just a record that's jamming hmm. instead of it being me actually crying out for help. Hmm. Um, and so once I started going to therapy, I started talking about it in more interviews and I started talking about it with a lot of my homies, youth, and I realized a lot of my partners go to therapy. Or if they not, I'm like, bruh, go to therapy. And that first time they go, they're like, bruh, I gotta keep going. Yeah. And you start to relieve yourself of all this tension that you had in this fight or flight that it ain't even necessary. Cause you succeeded, cause you're not in the hood no more. But we still wound up like shit any day now. Yeah. It's like, bro, we in our thirties. It might not be any day now. We might, we, we might, 60 is possible now. You yeah, know what for say? real. <laughs> like, and a lot of us like, bro, I don't know if I'm gonna make it past 21. We still wound up like that. Yeah. So it's about unwinding that shit, man.
0: No, that's real, yeah. man. Uh, one thing I've been doing at the end of the interviews is just kind of asking the artists for, you know, to share some advice with the youth for the new generation that's mm. coming up right
1: now. Okay. Share some advice. First off, definitely, <laughs> definitely pay your taxes. <laughs> pay your taxes. Get you a lawyer that really, really believes in you, obviously. Um, keep a lot of people around you that were there in the beginning. And I'm talking about not the people that necessarily are there for the financial shit you're spending, but the people that don't really want nothing from you anyway, that gave you solid advice. You know, keep them people around you. Um, Actually, save your money. A lot of the shit we find ourselves buying in order to show that we got it. I mean, once you accumulate all this shit, people still know you got it, but now you got bills. And now this shit means nothing. And you know, and then once that record don't sell, that shit depreciates. Mm -hmm. So be aware of that. definitely start to live in your happiness. I mean, I found a lot of music now. is very aggressive. It's very angry. It's very frustrating. But they got the money. But they've got out of the hood. Or they've been able to buy businesses and stuff like that. So at some point, you have to look at the music and be like, man, do you really feel like the songs you're making? And if so, then there's something else going on internally that had nothing to do with materials in the first place. That had nothing to do with financial gain. And then that's when therapy comes into play. That's when you got to get to the root of, well, what's going to make you happy, boss? Because you have people that's looking at you like, damn, you got everything and you still not happy. That, they look at that like, damn, well, even when I get that, I'm not going to. So you got to start talking about, well, look, I got all that. That wasn't it, so I found this. And this is giving me where I need to go. And then put people on to that yeah. because money is not going to do it clothes ain't gonna do it either it's literally like finding solitude self-love and self-soothing and being totally comfortable when it's quiet and ain't nobody around you and being able to love you in that moment that's solid advice right yeah. there correct thank you man no doubt bro no doubt um so
0: we know the album we know the yes, tour sir. man yes, sir. um what what else man anything else you got in The pipeline
1: man, look that album and his tour. <laughs> uh, I know that's a lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a lot, but uh, obviously, multi as a label and putting it out, branding it, um, and actually putting out artists is a go to for me, actually. Okay. And uh, and you know, trying to be more into the movie scoring world because I love movies and I love scoring movies and working on commercials and stuff, so kind of branching off into that because I don't necessarily have to be on a record vocally to be a part of it, yeah. but I just love to see it all play out. Hmm. Yeah. I got you. It's Any shout outs before we wrap it up? Here? Wow, shout outs. Hey man, shout out to the Third Coast, Will Connect Mississippi, man, shout out to my team, More talk to the sun Die. my manager Dutch, uh, marketing manager Steve-O, shout out to Big Son. Um, shout out to K4L, Amina, you know what it is, Shyla was good, um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to miss a lot of people. DJ Wilder Sparks, what's happening. Uh, damn, you put me on the motherfucking spot, man. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, obviously, shout-out to all my OGs. Shout-out to my parents, man. Love y'all, you know what I'm saying? Like, my brothers and sisters. Shout-out to Kush, you know what I'm saying? He out here managing his artists, doing his thing, man. That's my little bro. You okay, know what I'm yeah. saying? He, uh, yeah, he, he managing his shit. So, yeah, man, and for those that I, I, I forgot, I love y'all, too. Y'all know what it is. More time to the motherfucking Sunday. Big quick, third core, representing the world connected all day, every day. Mississippi, Hey. Like a skilling, like a money in the billin on the phone with the a If the bank had a cap, I would it. Like, really. Hey, everyone, it's Akilah Friend here from Monuments to Me podcast. If you're a fan of current events and cultural podcasts, then be sure to check out and subscribe to Monuments to Me. It's a show that covers societal issues, pop culture, and of course, Black women's empowerment. It's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, a network anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators.